these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered and mended in whole empty handed but not forsaken I've been set free I've been set free amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a rest like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see now. I can see. i 
one more time. In Christ alone, in cornerstone, we may be strong in the Savior's love. a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense Jesus it's your blood your blood speaks a better word all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus is your blood. Thank you, Jesus. What can wash Testifies in grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence, it's only by your blood. Nothing. 
have you done? Murder for me on that cross Abused in absence of wrong My sin washed away in your blood Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place on my soul Hey, Thrive Church, good to see you virtually speaking on this good Friday. Uh, I want to make sure that you're aware, Resurrection Sunday service, 10 a.m. 
uh, hope to see you on either Facebook Live or on the Thrive Church web website, um, www.thrivetulsa.com. It will be a good Sunday uh, to be there. Also, I wanted to I'll let you know too that the Thrive Church app has been refreshed and redone and you can get it either on the App Store or on Google Play, wherever you get the apps for your phone. Uh, but it's up and running. It's been a long process, but we finally have it. And uh, it's a great way to stay connected to all things Thrive. Well, if you've spent any amount of time uh, at Thrive Church, and specifically if you've listened to me um, do any kind of preaching, then you know that um, I'm a big fan of historical context when it comes to the Bible and specifically how we read the Bible. Um, it's not written in a vacuum. And so there's always some type of historical context that is usually influencing the author. And those authors, we have to remember, each one of them, um, have a message that they're trying to convey. They're very serious about it. They've spent a lot of time and energy, and so we... Uh, owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the author to pay very close attention to that con context. Recently, I came across an observation made about a specific um, New Testament author, uh, the gentleman named Luke, um, that really caught my attention. We know that Luke was um, a companion of Paul, um, so he's no slouch if he can kind of keep up with Paul. We also know that he was Greek and he wasn't Jewish, and we also know um, that uh, he was a physician, and so there is detail, and there is a certain um, uh, research component to what he does that, that's very important to him as an author. So not only does he have a different cultural perspective, but he also has a different educational perspective. And, and one author pointed something out that I'd, I had not really noticed before, and I thought I would share it with you. As an evangelist, as one who has written um, the good news, an account of Jesus and his life, his ministry, um, Luke was the evangelist of God's mercy to sinners. It's a really an interesting perspective because I think sometimes we open the book and we think, oh yeah, it's just a story about Jesus. But, but as an author, Luke very clearly um, tried to make it um, uh, obvious to us that, that God was attempting to offer mercy to, to, uh, to sinners. And that's really Luke's specialty, if we think about it. If you think about Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, um, if, if, you, if you remember the story, there was a son who asked his father for his, his inheritance early, before his father died. This was very offensive um, in that particular culture. And then, of course, he wasted it. He sinned against his family in a very dramatic sense. And at the end of the story, though, he was shown great mercy by his father, and he was welcomed home. Mercy to sinners. Another story that you'll, you'll recognize too, Jesus went to uh, the home of another religious leader for dinner. And during that dinner, a woman who had a very promiscuous reputation in that town came to Jesus and very humbly anointed his feet with perfume. And Jesus sees her for who she is and not just the things that she has done and very mercifully says, your sins are forgiven. 
you know, two very dramatic stories that, that we're familiar with. But both in Luke with this distinct bend towards forgiveness. And even as Jesus is being crucified, his mission of forgiveness is in full display. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 23. Let me read it for you so that I've got it right. Luke 23, beginning with, with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they, meaning the soldiers, divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then the criminal says to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Forgiveness, mercy even to the soldiers who were tasked with his execution. And there's, there's no remorse there. They're just doing their job. And yet, a man who's convicted of a crime shows his remorse. There's just this big contrast between those individuals. But none of them are beyond the forgiveness of God. None of them are beyond his mercy. And that's why Jesus makes it a point to say these things before he dies. You know, maybe in these extraordinary times, uh, like me, maybe you need a reminder of God's forgiveness and his love. Or maybe we should say his love and forgiveness because, because he loves us. That forgiveness flows out of him. That mercy flows out of, out of his love. You know, it's a scary world close proximity to our families. It's easy to get agitated about even the littlest things. The truth is, you've received mercy to be merciful to others. So take a moment, and I want you to reflect on God's love and His forgiveness. In Good Friday, we typically celebrate communion. Obviously, that's a challenge to do in a, in a digital environment. And so we just told everybody on, on the newsletter and say it again, whatever you have available, whether it's coffee and donuts or water and saltines, it doesn't matter. If you've got grape juice and bread, that's good too. It's entirely up to you. But I wonder, whatever those elements are, if you might pause for a moment and gather those things together and invite you to consider the cross, the ultimate expression of love and forgiveness for every person. And we guess we've seen it recorded in four different Gospels, but in Luke, it really is about mercy. Mercy for people who may not deserve mercy. And, you know, Dan's going to come and, and he's going to sing. And, and what I want you to do is, as he's 
singing or you're singing along with them, when you're ready, go ahead and take those elements with your family and uh, experience his love again. Just one more time. In spite of everything else that's going on, just kind of block it out for a moment and say, this is for me and uh, this is for all of us because of God's love. We get his mercy. So, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he broke it, he passed it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Again, after the supper, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he said, Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. And in both cases, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we're doing here on Good Friday. We're remembering what he actually did for us by dying on the cross. Now, of course, that's not the end of the story. We know that because Easter Sunday is coming. But, but today we pause and we remember that his love gave us mercy and forgiveness. And because of that, we now can have mercy and forgiveness for others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the simplicity of uh, grace, mercy, forgiveness, love. Thank you for all those things. We don't understand them. And uh, yet at the same time, we're so grateful for them. And as we sing this next song, Lord, would you be present with us? And whatever the elements are, Today, I think you're more interested in participation than you are in, in, in having everything be exactly the way it's supposed to be. And Lord, as we uh, take and we eat and as we, as we drink, um, help us to be filled, not just physically, but spiritually in such a way where your love would spill out in mercy and forgiveness to the people around us. Thank you, Lord, that... Uh, we can trust you with these things. And we look forward to being together on Easter Sunday. Pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. There's a place where mercy reigns. Oh, 
What to 